America is a place where all things are possible. That is some group of people, thousands. Described as a demon. I hate you, naturally. No, 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 not God bless America. God damn America, that's in the Bible. Welcome to Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. I'm your host, Daniel White Hodge. Welcome back. Welcome back again to part two of this special edition of Profane Faith. Thank you for listening in. This is your boy, Daniel White Hodge. And if you listen to part one, what did I tell you? Dr. Andre Johnson, he went in, right? I mean, I was about halfway through that, and I'm thinking, all right, man, I got to cut it. I got to cut it. And you even hear me at one point, right? I'm like, man, the time. But it, it this is such a complex thing. Again, and even with two speakers, I mean, even with two folks that, you know, we have here that I, you know, truly admire and respect and truly, you know, uh, uh, you know, even even with folks like this, you, you're not going to be able to get the full scope of things because we have a lot of work to be doing. I'm just trying to get the conversation going, y'all. This next uh, good friend of mine, up speaker activist, is Miss Ka- Kathy Kong, uh, Mrs. Excuse me, um, and she has uh, uh, a, a a saying. She goes by uh, well, almost like a tagline. It's a writer, speaker, and coffee drinker. Drinker, excuse me, writer, speaker, and coffee drinker. And uh, she says she began this journey at childhood and diaries and journals and moved into the newsroom and then to a co-authored book entitled "More Than Serving Tea." Uh, I've had Kathy out to uh, my school as a keynote. I've served with her on a couple of different panels. And she is just an amazing woman who is navigating this space of pragmatics, of being a Korean-American woman who's married, who is working out her faith in Christianity, but more importantly is sitting in the space where it says, I'm not just going to sit back and take this and 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 do what the tropes of of what we normally think Asian women should do, right? She is out and she's 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 gonna let you know about it. <laughs> and the thing I love about Kathy is that she is so great online. Um and now, you know, I, I tell everybody, you know, don't feed the trolls. And, and and she's definitely not one that feeds the trolls, but she's able to navigate conversations with people that oftentimes, you know, are very hostile. You know, they're just straight up hostile. I mean, you know, you got some cats out there that are just nuts. <laughs> and she's able to navigate some of those conversations super well. So I figured, okay, I want to get a woman's voice on here. And I know there's a lot of a lot of women out there. And don't get me wrong, I ain't disrespecting nobody. But Kathy came to mind, first to mind, because I knew this conversation um, would be a good take on this tragedy that has happened in our country. And the ongoing tragedy of black bodies being massacred, of brown bodies being told they cannot come into this country, of red bodies being told that their land is 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 more that their land is is profitable for money uh, rather than you know looking at and honoring the sacredness of that land. And so we have some things we have to deal with. So I wanted to bring Kathy on and have this conversation. So. Again, I don't want to take off all this time because, like I said, this is a special edition of uh, Profane Faith. And uh, this is, again, a, a time to just really begin to reflect on what does all this mean, right? What You know, how do we get our head around this? Especially for those you cats that are still out there talking about, you know, we need to reconcile and, you know, love our peoples. And, you know, like Dr. Johnson was just talking about, like, you know, prayers and warm thoughts are our gun control. I mean, how do we sit with that? And I think that's something that we got to really begin to reckon with. And so Kathy and I just had a really good conversation around that. So here she is. Check it out. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. This is the second part of Profane Faith podcast uh, and a special edition dealing primarily with the issues that came up after the Las Vegas massacre, the terrorist attack. And so thank you guys for tuning in. I have one of my great friends and just powerful voices on the front lines of justice and all things decolonization, Kathy Kong. How you doing, Kathy? 
good considering. <laughs> yes, considering <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I mean, I think uh, so. I had Dr. Andre Johnson on, and I just love to just hop right in. I mean, this event, I think, um, stirs up a lot of different things, um, just theologically, um, on you know what what does the theology of violence look like? What does it mean that if children, this is what Andre said, he said, if children can't move you to do something about you know, mass shootings, I don't, I don't know what will. Um, right. So, what I mean, where were you at? What was happening? What went through your mind as this started to unfold? Well, I did not catch it the night of. I had gone to bed and was <laughs> yeah. awoken um, before my alarm because my husband saw it. And the minute... I, it hit my consciousness and I was awake enough. I thought, Oh Lord. Yeah. My first thought was, please don't let this be a man of color. Oh my gosh. When you posted that, I was like, oh, I was saying the same thing. <laughs> and I just, I just, please don't let this be a man of color. Please don't let right. this be a man of color. And, right. um, and I just started scanning the news stories and all I saw was his name and no picture, no description. And then quickly found out that his wife, girlfriend, mm -hmm. traveling companion was a Pacific Islander woman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So then I figured, oh, he must be white because. Talk to me about that. Yeah, because. Why, why wouldn't there have been a photograph and all of the background information and contacts with family if, yes, we knew, we knew, we knew more about this person of interest yeah. than we did about the perpetrator. Yeah, yes. In fact, when I first saw that picture, I actually thought I was like, whoa, a woman did this. Like, wh what? Right. Right. <laughs> oh, right. And so it, and it turns out that she wasn't even in the country at the time. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so so that's what was going through my mind. My my mind immediately went to uh, identifying the race or ethnicity of the perpetrator because I knew that that would follow a script mm -hmm. of how this story would be told and how the media re would react and how how people in general would yeah. react to the yeah. fear and um and then as the death toll continued to rise uh peter my husband and i also then talked about how it was uh, horrifying to think of somebody sitting in a luxury suite yeah. in Vegas. I mean, yeah. so many layers of irony here for, uh, for religious folk, um, acting like a sniper. And, uh, and then all of the talk that would come out about uh, gun control and violence when really nothing was going to happen because we let children who were six and seven years old be gunned down in their classroom right? and nothing happened. So nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. Right. Well, I mean, and I think that, I mean, that brings up, you know, a couple of host of things. It's like, well, I mean, so you have Bill O'Reilly come out and say, well, this is just, you know, this is just the price of freedom. This is what you got to pay mm -hmm. when you live in a free society. So I'm just like, all right. And then, you know, on top of that, uh, we talked about that uh, in, the, in the previous episode was, you know, you have Trump throwing supplies at yes. Puerto Ricans. I mean, I'm like, yeah. if that doesn't reek. I'm, oh, man. And in and, and, and the side note to that, though, I think that's that needs to be said as well. But there were plenty of people who were sitting in right in front of him who wanted to take selfies with him. Yes. And I think that's equally as disturbing. Yes. Like if I'm living in that area and you've been talking all this smack and now he's showing up and you throwing stuff at me, I'm right. not going to try to take a selfie with you. Right. Exactly. And I think that 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 image um was another display for me of of violence. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. Absolutely. And 
and it's 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 I guess Bill O'Reilly, if he wants to talk about the price of freedom, there's that price of freedom where the alleged president um, <laughs> thinks that it is okay to make light of what is a crisis situation in a colony. Yeah. And and then what happens when you live in that situation and you begin to believe that you are the source of entertainment, then you you live into that, I guess, because that's that was the horrifying image, right? Like you had described, people trying to take selfies and um, and trying to pull him in into the screen so that he could be in the shot. Um, and then even as he was leaving, he said to the governor, have a good time or have a great time, I think was his quote. Yeah. And I just thought, that is sick. That's, that's sick. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and again, the, the similarity, you know, it, I think it, it can feel lighthearted, but when I kept seeing the images and kept seeing the news clip, I thought, oh, that's, that's, violent that you're chipping right. away at the humanity of people created in God's image and making this into a joke and a competition. Yeah. And yeah. and and at some level that's exactly what happened in Vegas. I mean, how many guns does one person in a free country need? <laughs> right. Um, and, and how many guns do we need to say is okay in a free country? Well, apparently as many as you, as, as many as you damn well, please, because that's the price of freedom. Well, then I guess the price of freedom is also not respecting humanity. Yeah. And that uh, we can't say, how did this happen? We let it happen. Hmm. We let it happen. And all right. So this is, so as we get into this, I mean, one of the things I've, I've brought up a lot on the show and anybody who's listening, you know, knows I've brought this up, particularly with the demographic, well, not even the demographic shift. I mean, I would say the shift for me theologically that happened after the November election was major. I mean, I, I mean, I knew Trump was getting elected. I knew he was going to be the one. I think what threw me were some of the numbers, right? It's like, okay, we have white women, you know, overwhelmingly mm -hmm. voting yes. for this fool. Um, evangelicals, particularly white evangelicals who are continuing yes. to defend him. Yes. And so I'm, I'm trying to think, okay, so what next? I and mean, what next? What does it mean then? Because, right, we go to some of these conferences we, and we go to some of these places <laughs> that talk about we need to love our brothers and sisters and, you know, thoughts and prayers and we need to reconcile and this is what Jesus did. I mean, what, so how does that, how does that work out? How does that play out for you? What, 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 what are some of your <laughs> thoughts on that, Kathy? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, full disclosure, I work yes. for an evangelical organization. You do? I do. <laughs> and, um, and I am often asked, how am I not fired? And how do I stay? And, and I think that that's part of it. It is the, I stay as long as I can stay. And as long as I can say the things that I have to say, which is a critique from the inside. Yeah. And that is the most loving thing that I think I can do right now while I still have an audience, while I still hmm. have some relationships that have not burned to hell um, <laughs> and yeah. some credibility within that sphere. And I understand that for a lot of folks, they don't care about that sphere and I don't blame them. I hmm. don't blame them. But for me right now, what that, all that talk about prayers and loving one another uh, we are correct in saying that means nothing if there is no action behind it. And so for me, it is staying in this very strange space where I 
am in the company of evangelicals and progressives, and both sides say I am not enough of whatever. Yeah. But to also say, hey, look at these numbers. We can deny how you personally may have voted or your family may have voted, Mm -hmm. but we have to address those numbers. And we have to address, while we can, from the inside, what that means. And where is the disconnect for people on the outside of that community and for those who still remain connected to that evangelical label? Uh, It's not enough to say, I wasn't one of those evangelicals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, and it's, it's, I don't, you know, the, there's a lot of talk, even today, there was a wonderful thread on Twitter by Brandy Miller about reconciliation and how that language and that, um, that theology can be very and is very dangerous and and violent to people of color, that it requires us to move a lot of times before any of the white people need to. Yeah. Um, and so how I reconcile that in my space is to say, I'm not moving. <laughs> right. And I'm going to say what I am saying, and I'm going to tweet what I tweet and write what I write, because I love Jesus. Right. And my hope is in Jesus. It certainly is not in the politicians who are all sides ready to screw their constituents for their own gain. So I sit where I do. I say what I need to say. I say, you know what? If you want to use the language of reconciliation, that's cool. You make the move. White evangelical friends, you make the move. You show me that you're committed. Tell me what you are doing more than prayer and thoughts and warm condolences. Right. What are you doing? And are you surprised that I would post something about wondering what the race or ethnicity of the shooter was? If you are surprised, you need to make the move. You need to have the conversation with me because I'm out there. I'm putting out there exactly what I'm thinking, what I'm asking, what I'm wrestling with. Yeah. And so if you want to be reconciled, come on in. Come sit at my table. Right. Right. Well, I, yeah, I mean, just to I'm, I'm looking looking at the tweet right now. I mean, and Brandy, we've I've, I've had her on the, the show here. In fact, we got another part two coming uh, with her. But, you know, she tweets out racial reconciliation is an outdated model to pursue racial justice it has its window but now it serves to center and pander to whiteness and then there's another part where she says racial reconciliation isn't good for people of color it produces a theology that almost always centers right feeling over repentant mm-hmm. right living Ooh, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh it says if our personal relationships are right quote unquote then we are reconciled Racial reconciliation is the evangelical version of I have a black friend. Yes. I'm like, oh, mercy. Yes. Yes. Right. And and her her next tweet goes on and says racial reconciliation is a cheapening of Jesus's reconciling work that is inherently about systems and whole people groups being redeemed. Mm. And um, and I think that's part of it. And it's. You know, Jesus interacts with individuals within systems. And so often what we see in what Jesus did is very open-ended, right? We see his healing work with the individuals. What we don't always see is um, what what do the communities who watch this happen, what do they do? Yeah. What do they do? And I think it's very easy for us in the Western church here in the U.S. to think, oh, well, as long as, you know, I do the one-on-one, it's cool. But we never see what that crowd pressing against the bleeding woman does. Yeah. We don't see that. And that, it's, it, the point of that encounter is not just 
that the woman's faith healed her, but that Jesus recognizes and gives her voice in that crowd that would have stoned her for doing what she did. So we don't see what happens. And so we don't teach that part. We don't, that's not the reconciling. It's the, you know, I, I passed out food to the homeless. I filled shoe boxes with worthless plastic toys <laughs> for yeah. Christmas. Yeah. And so I'm cool and it is a cheapening. And again, I think that leads to why we have the kind of culture we have that allows for the election of a baby Christian president who throws <laughs> paper towels at people who do not have water, do not have electricity, and allows for a 60-some-year-old white man to assassinate 58 lives. Mm. It's, it's the same. Wow. It's the same. Because really at the end of the day, don't we just need one person to have talked to Stephen Paddock or whatever his name is? Yeah. And I think that's what yeah. that's where the news is pivoting now is his his travel companion, the person of interest has returned from her trip to overseas and now the news has pivoted what did she know could she have said anything to stop right. him right. and i think again right it's it is that language um and it's not specific to racial reconciliation but it certainly is specific to that individual one-on-one -on -one reconciling work that we think yeah will change everything and it won't we don't have time for it. We don't have time for yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, and I, I mean, exactly. I mean, I feel like, okay, <laughs> for those of you listening, I mean, right before we got going here, you know, a fire alarm went off and like the <laughs> lights are going and the things are buzzing and everything. And so, you know, it's a false alarm or whatever, but I feel like that's where we're at as a country. Like we've been there for a long time, but we're like in the, like the smoke is billowing through the hallways and it's not a drill. Like this is, and so I don't know, I've lost a sense of tactness and and oh, because I feel like even that caters to white supremacy. Right. It's like you go into places and you're like, well, we don't want to say it like that because that'll offend them. Or, well, that'll offend donors or that. But ultimately, you know, and I don't think, you know, just telling the truth and saying one more thing is going to change it. But it's like you're right. We, it, we don't have the time to, to continue down the all lives matter track, right. you know. And God loves everyone. And, you know, it's like blue lives matter. And this is like we're in a time of crisis. And so I guess I'm trying to figure out, you know, you know, what again, what does that look like for for society in general? But in particular, those of us, you know, who consider ourselves Christians and followers of Christ. And so in regards to that, I mean, how then do, do you engage with an understanding of this guy? So this guy, you know, brings in, I mean, bags right. of guns, not even just. Oh, I, I slipped it in underneath a coat and, you know, here's a little <laughs> pistol. Right. Bags. Yep. And then he had, like, like you know, like mechanisms to make him shoot more. <laughs> right. 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 I mean, I don't know. I mean, what? How then? How do how do we as ethnic minorities? What, what does that what does that look like? I mean, and, and, and I'm, that's a genuine question because I'm just like. I know what my I know what some of my Marxist friends are saying. They're like, man, it's anarchy. We need to arm ourselves. We need to go. What is what does that look like for a faith person in this era, 2017, heading into 2018? What does that look like? Yes, I don't know. I'll be very honest. Mm. I don't know. Mm. And I know you and I have joked about that, about the <laughs> yeah. well, what would it look like? And I, I posted yeah. about it the other day too. Like, what would it look like if a bunch of people of color started arming themselves? I mean, what would happen to the Second Amendment at that point? Right. Right. Um, uh, but after, after initially posting it, I sat down and I thought, you know, actually, I don't know how many people I went to church with own guns. Right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how people voted. And I think that's the reality. Um, I, I know that's that's always been the reality. It just, every day it feels much more dangerous, if that's even possible, 
right? That if people kept going on and on about how this man entered into a hotel with 10 bags and how is that not a warning sign? (laughs) And I just thought, okay, well, one, it's Vegas. So all sorts of stuff goes down in Vegas. They have gun shows in Vegas. So it's, it's not a big deal. And then I kept thinking, well, he's an older white man who was gambling a lot of money. No one's going to question that. No one's going to question that. And I just think, well, does it mean then we as people of color have to be the ones to raise the questions again? Yeah. And still. So I so it kind of circles back to to Brandy's tweets. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, because it still feels like a lot of the heavy lifting is still on our shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I'm not loving if I opt out (laughs) and, and, and sometimes it is the most loving thing I can do because if you don't want to hear me and my presence unnerves you or makes you uncomfortable then maybe the most loving thing is to opt out. Hmm. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I know there have been many, 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 many people of color and organizations that are not necessarily non-white that have talked about dropping, one, the evangelical label in part because of the last year or so, but lots of conversations about what does it mean to be living in this era and to move forward the conversations about race and faith in a way that's productive. And um, I used to be a lot more hopeful. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's, again, that's part of what for me changed. I mean, because I I felt like I spent all these years, oh, we just do this. We just do that. And we go have them read this book or, you know, and just, you know, kind of bought into that hook, line and sinker of that, you know, that really the the tracked evangelicalism, bumper sticker evangelicalism, like, you know, if you just show them this and you just Mm -hmm. do this Mm -hmm. and then to look at somebody like, this fool to get elected and here's the thing i don't again i've said this before but i i I don't find anybody in his cabinet that is friendly towards yes my (laughs) non-oppression exactly it's like you got me and i'm tired of people saying yeah but what about you know um ben carson i'm like look ben carson y'all can y'all can have him back We'll we'll take we'll take Eminem, you know what I'm saying? We'll take some of these other cats. But I I guess you're right. I mean, I think that that's what I'm struggling with. And I know I know in general, I I tend to be much more pessimistic and glasses half empty kind of guy. But I I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to rack my brain. And so that's why I'm I'm asking wise folks like yourselves, like what what does this look like moving forward? Because in all honesty, we're on a time limit, a time Mm -hmm. clock to the next massacre yes. that, and, and i feel like it's going to be it's going to be an even bigger one like somebody's sitting right there like oh he took out 58 okay you know i can take out 70 right i can take out 100 right. right right yeah because i'm not created enough apparently not evil enough thankfully to think oh i am gonna perch myself on the 30 something floor right and and do what he did and so yes you're right and um I, and I, I have been thinking quite a bit about how in this era, um, yeah. there is a lot of pushback to folks like me and you. Um, why are you so angry? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, you know, where's the hope? And I, I think part of my hope is that the louder folks like us get – and find other like-minded folks and put our minds together and think through uh, next steps 
that makes me a little more hopeful than let's do, let's all pray. (laughs) Um, Because my knees hurt from all that praying. And, um, and like you said, there's not enough time. Yeah. We, there's the the time has passed for this passive faith and and a very incorrect theology that praying is going to um, make the uh, it, it, that we can figure out the right buttons to push. So out of the soda machine comes the God who will do the things we want God to do. <laughs> Right. It's not a vending machine type of thing. And I I think that that's what I hear when I hear particularly evangelical leaders and uh, politicians who want to appeal to people of faith to, oh, you know, it's time for prayers. Um, Oh, so which vending machine are we going to today? And did I not put enough money into that particular vending machine to get the outcome that I want? Yeah. And, and so I think, okay, well, what does it take? And my little, in my little space, I want to encourage the people who are finding a little more courage to say out loud the things that they believe that are contrary to their faith communities mm-hmm. and to cause more discomfort. And yes, again, I feel like that it lands on the shoulders primarily of people of color, but I am occasionally finding some encouragement in white spaces when people are finally waking up to the fact that their privilege is not going to protect them from being lumped together with the crazy because I don't trust it anymore. Um, And, and I don't, I'm not going to be your Asian friend that protects you. I won't vouch for you until I know that you're ready to move and that you move with me. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And right. So I don't know. I don't know. But I have thought about getting a gun license. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Straight up. Which again, my husband looked at me like you're crazy. And then he pauses and he thinks, but it's crazy out there. And I said, I don't necessarily need to go buy a gun. But I do think that there's something about much like when I became when I finally became a naturalized citizen, I realized, you know, there are a lot of privileges that will never be afforded to me. But this is one of those. I have an easy route. I have my papers. I can afford the $800. $800. I can, I can manage the system. So well, why not do it? Why not leverage what I can at least, at least to make myself feel better? I don't know at the end yeah. of the day. Um, but I also am finding myself wanting to pull from the systems and the churches that I see no willingness to listen and move. So, you know, we, we've left our church so they don't get our money. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Yeah. You know, and I think that's one of those things where we're, uh, we've been wrestling with like, Oh gosh, you know, our giving has been tied to this crazy system of tax deductions. Yeah. And, what happens when the things that you want to support and the people you want to support are not, they're not nonprofits. They're not, not for profits. You won't get a tax deduction. Are we so married to that system that that's how we give? And I think in our little way of trying to stick it to the man, uh, (laughs) We've, yeah. we've, we've wrestled with that as well. And I know that that's not an original thought. I know that, that I, I, it's, it's the whole, you know, pulling money out of the big banks and going to black owned banks. That that's the movement that has made me think, well, where does our money go and where is our money and how do I spend my money? Um, because money talks Absolutely. clearly. 
as we look at the president. Um, so I think that's one of the things as I kind of process out loud. Oh, yeah, that's one of the things, small things. But um, if more and more of us decided, you know, we not only will vote with our seats in the pews, but we will take our money with us. Right. <laughs> Right. And we won't give it to the denomination. We won't give it to the church. We won't give it to missions. We won't give it to missionaries who are tied to the organizations we are not completely sold on. And as one who works for a religious nonprofit and evangelical organization, I have had donors who have said, you know, we're really not happy with some of the things that your organization has done. We're really wrestling with um, our our financial support of you that goes through the organization. And I tell them, I totally understand. Hmm. And, and I will figure it out, but I totally understand because we've done the same thing and we will continue to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and you're right. I mean, so much of this is tied to money. I mean, money, you know, the old, (laughs) you know, the old root, right? The root of all evil, right? It's like money, this love and lust of money. I mean, yeah. But so much of it is, I mean, you think about, you know, this whole these health care plans that are oh have been trying to take take down, you know, the ACA, um, you know, but in, in a lot of it is is that it's it's being gutted from within. I mean, we, mm-hmm. uh, again, I talked about this this morning with, you know, uh, Andre was like, you know, there is a sense of we're going to erase any type of ethnic minority that ever came through this house. And so let's just get rid of everything. Let's mm-hmm. undo everything that's that, you know, that he put forward. And so. It's like a, an extreme rights, you know, uh, 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 best best day. It's like, you know, you got somebody who espouses your values, is white, mm-hmm. identifies as white. I mean, it's like, yeah, even with Bush, both Bushes, there was always kind of a, well, you know, I mean, you know, I'm, I don't know. You know, and, you know, he was offended that Kanye said he didn't like black people. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and, yes. and you know, and here you have this. There's no shame whatsoever. None. Yes. And yes. so I and I feel like that's the case. Right. I mean, now you got this whole thing with, I, you know, I saw one of the tweets uh, or the hashtags with Mark Driscoll. Right. You know, it's like <laughs> Pathios or whatever. Yes. Or, um, And I'm just like, man, how do I mean, there's always a place for a white man. Right. I mean, there's yeah. always a, a corner for him. Yeah. No matter how crazy you are, no matter what you say, no matter what right. you do, how many deals you go bankrupt on and how many people you run over. There's always a place for a white man. Yes. A mediocre white man. Oh, I don't even I mean, I think that's giving him a compliment. I mean, right. right, You know, I mean, it's like a mediocre. I mean, this dude, I mean, come on. I mean, think about it. If you or I had done any just uh, just one of those things. There's no way. Misappropriated funds. And uh, there is no way. I would love to use the, 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 the university credit card to go buy some of my books and, and you know, then, you know, blow up uh, book sales. I'd be on the New York Times bestseller list, too. I mean. Right. But in this era, I guess I'm just trying to figure out uh, what the engagement with that. Uh, one of the reasons why I switched departments from, you know, biblical theological studies, youth ministry, you know, to communication studies, because it's just quite honestly, if I'm just brutally honest, it's just a lot of nuts that come through the BTS, a lot of white nuts. I mean, let's just be real <laughs> that come through and they just, you know, sure. they they just assume that they know God's word. And here's this nigga trying to tell them, nah, you know, this right. you got to think this way. And it's just like, no, I'm not, I'm, you know, and, and they'll fight you. I mean, it's just like, it's just, it's day and night, my engagement with students right now. I mean, compared to what it was a year ago or two years ago, you know, it's, no it's, doubt. it's, no doubt. So I don't know. I mean, this, this shooting just brings up a whole bunch, but it's, and, and here's the other side of it too. And I, and I don't know how this engages. Cause I know, I mean, I know you have kids and, yes. and whatnot, and I'm not sure how they react to it. I say, I say my daughter, my daughter's 10 at least at the time of this recording. And so, you know, she's looking at it uh, as, wow, another one? Like, I mean, she's grown up in this era yes. of mass yes. shootings. They're, they're, for so I'm, And I'm trying to get in that framework. Like, for her, there there hasn't been any, I mean, different. Right. It's just been 10 years of just plain just craziness. So, I, and, you know, and then <laughs> I get these emails from folks that, oh, you know, this is how you talk to your kids. And, this, and I'm just like, look, a lot of the kids that I work with, I mean, they're like, look, I feel for those folks, but come on now. I mean, we got people dying left and right. I mean, it's like the whole opioid thing now is a crisis. It's like, oh, really? Oh, grief. Yes. 
Yes. So I, I mean, had, how how have you had those conversations? Because I know, like I said, I, I and, and what and what do those what do those look like, particularly from your neck of the my woods? vantage? Yes, my vantage point here That's in right. the Lily White suburbs. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> no, not even. I'm just really <laughs> talking about your perspective because you get around I and mean, you you all over the place. I've just assumed you'd be like in D.C. doing <laughs> doing something today. Um. Well, so my kids are older. They are almost, well, almost 22, 18, and 16. Um, and, the, and the two older ones aren't, they aren't home. So okay. uh, uh, when this latest shooting happened, I think what I noticed was there was no text <laughs> from them. Oh. There was no like, oh my gosh, did you hear what happened? It was, it was just another day in their lives. And, um, our youngest who is a sophomore at the high school, apparently they made some announcement at school that morning. And so when he came home, I asked him, Hey, so how was the day? And you know, what, what did the school say about the shooting? And he was like, you know, it's what they say whenever something like this happens. Yeah. (laughs) And I, I thought, Oh my gosh, it's not a big deal. Right. This is this is their normal. And then he went on to say, he said, well, you know, if we know, and he literally said, we know the drill. Because it was just, wow. I think it was just two years ago when he was in middle school, there mm-hmm. was a lockdown at the school because there was um, a missing person. They thought he might be armed and you could hear the helicopters and the cops and Wow. Parents were notified via, you know, the rapid texting kind of thing. And so for him, it's just, you know, it's a different norm because here in the safe suburbs, right, the, the danger is the opioid crisis and, um, and, but on the other hand, it is this kind of very normal, they've all grown up doing the drills. They all know turn the lights off, lock the door, yeah. stick a chair in front of the door and then hide under the desk. They all know that. And wow. so when when Elias came home and said, you know, it's it's what they say whenever something like that this happens, I thought, "Oh." And so the conversation was, "Well, how do we make sure that you don't think that this is okay?" Hmm. <laughs> you know, it's it's one thing for it to feel like it's normal. Yeah. Or that it's going to happen, but I don't want you to think that this is okay, and um, or complacent about it because uh, that means that there's a part of your humanity, yeah, that is dying off because of this. Hmm. So that was that was part of the conversation, and then to be honest, he just looked at me like, "Why do you always?" Talk <laughs> like this to me (laughs) Um, oh mercy yeah and yeah and then and then it was just another day for the other two who are away from home one's on her own and one's in college and so then that that concerns me as well that that as as young adults this is so normal yeah that life just kind of goes on on the flip side, there's a gratitude that they're not living in fear and that they're not paralyzed and that they didn't have a moment like I did when 9-11 happened, which was, do I go get my child from school and bring her home? Do I keep her from school? Yeah. You know, they are, they're not experiencing that at all. Hmm. So I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it does. It speaks to this generation. And I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm definitely curious. I mean, particularly those born in the mid two thousands, uh, you know, what, what, what is there going to be their perspective on life and what will power look like in another 40 years? And, and, you know, right. what, you, know, you got the new Blade Runner coming out, you know, oh, and I was yeah. like, man, you know, 2049, I'm like, man, what will 2049 <laughs> look like i mean i'll be in my 70s um you know so i'll, I'll be uh you know getting older. Ready, right older <laughs> I mean, you know hopefully retire but I means you never know i may still have it to be working at you know uh 
a janitor somewhere and stuff. I, I don't know. And so I do. I think about that and particularly with, you know, because there is I mean, some of the some of the students I work with here uh, at the university I'm at it. They are. They are. The African-American ones are desensitized completely. I mean, you just you yeah. ask them the question and it's just like, yeah, I mean, what do you want me to say, man? I mean, yeah. I mean, one brother told me, like, look, I've seen so much already just in my own neighborhood. I mean, the stuff I see on TV, it doesn't even phase me anymore. I mean, I don't right. that doesn't that doesn't move me. So you're right. I like what you said. It's like, man, there's a part of us that, you know, that dies in that. So I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Um, as we think about what the uh, you know, moving forward here and we can and we can wrap up on this and, and, and end on this because this is this has all been great. A lot to think on. But as we think about what does quote unquote moving forward and you know look like for you? What are you what are you up to? What are you doing and and in, in all this 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 quote unquote resistance or the hashtag resistance? Yes. yes. Uh, it, in part, I think it is trying to help people uh, hold on to their humanity and to make sure particularly people of color honor their humanity. Mm. And, and for some, it's, it's survival, like you just want to get through the day. Yeah. And for others, it is the encouragement um, with, as far as I know, the second coming hasn't happened. <laughs> yeah. um, there's still time. There's still hope. I'm not sure what it is, but mm-hmm. I do want to, I think my work lately has been encouraging people um, people of color and white people, because I live in a 90 some percent white suburb that if I can't get people to speak up about the things that are shitty, yeah. then um, and then do something, then it really isn't going to move and there isn't going to be any movement. So I do spend um a lot of time, you know, ranting online, but actually have real relationships and not in the one-on-one kind of thing. But, um, one of the, the groups of people that have, has given me life is this book club. I know this sounds really funny, um, but it's a book club of women and, uh, and they're, we're not all women of color, but we are only reading, uh, black authors, black women authors. Interesting. All right. And, um, and in that space, I've just found a lot of hope and a lot of courage to just ask my white sisters flat out questions that, um, you know, Mm. I wouldn't do on a Sunday, but if we're committing to reading this book and we're committing to asking real questions about the things that we allow into our mind, yeah. um, then I get to ask questions. So I think that's part of it is uh, helping myself reclaim my humanity. And that includes being able to create spaces that respect one another. Yeah. And if you can't answer my questions, honestly, I cannot have you in my space. I mm. just can't. I can't. I like that. Um, so that's one of the things. And then, uh, and, and leaving spaces okay. that do not recognize my humanity. So like I mentioned, we've finally decided to pull the plug on the church that we have been at for almost, I think maybe 13 years and, um, and, and hoping to find a new space to worship at yeah. because, um, because, just like the one-on-one reconciliation model, doing this alone is not the model. We need we need people. Absolutely. We need so that's what I'm doing. And then um and then I just I uh as much as people think I hate white people and that I'm a reverse <laughs> racist. Oh yeah. Um I do spend a lot of time uh listening to my white friends the ones I consider and they consider me a friend, not the token friend, but the friend about the things that they're encountering and questioning and wrestling with. 
um, because they're the ones who have to talk to their family members. Yeah. I don't want to go to their Thanksgiving. And this should be an interesting Thanksgiving for a lot of people because it's been a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, I thought we couldn't outdo last year, but yeah, right. you're right. right. You're we, right. We've, we've made it. To, we're almost there to another November. So I think that that's part of it is recognizing, you know, I don't I don't want to be in those spaces. But if there are people I know and love and trust um, and they want to talk through things, I am totally there for them. I am totally there for them to talk through things and to also draw healthy boundaries. Yeah, no, exactly. Wow, Kathy. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for just coming on and, and having this conversation. Really do appreciate it. Um, where can people find you? Where if somebody wants to dial you in and, and figure out like, how can I get a hold of this great <laughs> woman and bring her out to the Smithsonian and, and pay her, you know, 200,000 for an hour lecture? Where, where would people, people that find would you? That would be amazing. That would be amazing. <laughs> and then I would say, do you have funds so that I can bring somebody with me? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, they can find me on Twitter. My wow. handle is at Ms. Kathy Kong, M-S-K-A-T-H-Y-K-H-A-N-G. Uh, currently, uh, you can find me on Facebook. I have a public profile as well as an author page. And then I have a website that is infrequently updated. It is kathykong.com. All right. All right. And you're working on a book, or is that not I yet? I am working knowledge? on a book. It is mostly public knowledge. I am working on it. Uh, it is tentatively titled "Raise Your Voice." Nice. Why we stay silent and how to speak up, and we are hoping that that will be out summer of 2018. Excellent. Well, we'll definitely for sure get you back on and talk about that. Cause that'll, that'll be great. Um, and for those of you listening, um, again, I'll put these in the show notes. Uh, you can click on there. And if you are listening again, subscribe, like we're all out there in iTunes, Google, Stitcher, SoundCloud, the whole nine. Um, again, this is just an ongoing conversation because I don't think, I don't think, uh, the simplistic answers obviously are going to work and, and definitely not some of the own theodicies that are out there are just are whack. So Kathy, again, Thank you so much. Thank you. Like everyone said, hit the floor. So everyone was just like literally laying on top of each other, trying to get out of the way. And the, the shots just kept coming. There were people hiding underneath my car for cover. His name is Stephen Paddock. As far as his history and background, uh, we haven't completed that part of the investigation yet. Uh, but we located numerous firearms within the room that he occupied.